Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, I'm Chad Young. You can find me on Twitter at Chad Young. Diving right into our Sunday news, the biggest news of the day, at least in my opinion, Nationals going to call up C.J. Abrams, the elite middle infield prospect they acquired in the Juan Soto trade. Abrams had a rough go with the Padres earlier this year, but for Nats fans, it's probably at least fun to see some of the future coming up. I've been lower than most on Abrams as I don't really buy the power projections needed to make him a true fantasy superstar. But his early struggles have turned him into something of a post-hype guy, and you can't forget that he's still a solid talent with a strong hit tool and very good speed. He could be a guy with 15 homers, 25 stolen bases, and an average that helps you out quite a bit as well. Maybe not right away, but certainly in the future. The Red Sox optioned Darwins and Hernandez to make room for Michael Waka's return from the IL, and boy, did that go well. Asked to start the Sunday night game against the Yankees, Waka went seven shutouts, striking out nine, walking one, and allowed just two hits. He had 18 whiffs and a 37% CSW. Waka seems to have turned a corner this year, but keep in mind his 2.44 ERA is backed by a 3.70 FIP and a 4.09 XFIP. Those numbers are not bad, but they're not ace level either, and you need to be careful how and when you use him. The Sox are in Baltimore next weekend, and that matchup in that park is one you can definitely take a shot on. The Nationals called up Alex Call, recently acquired from Cleveland, and immediately plug him into the leadoff spot. I'm a bit surprised they tossed him there that early. But if he develops, that is where he belongs as he runs high walk rates, gets on base, has a touch of speed. It also signals how they might use him if he keeps playing. Sunday, he was 0-4 for with a couple strikeouts, but hopefully he gets a longer look. The O's sent D.L. Hall back to AAA after his debut on Saturday. The debut wasn't all we would have hoped, but this isn't the last we've heard from him, and probably not even for this year. Nick Senzel came out of the Reds game Monday with hamstring tightness, but it sounds precautionary, though he will likely get a day off today. Ramon Laureano felt tightness around a swing and came out of the A's game on Sunday. He is day-to-day, and with little to play for, you have to assume they'll be cautious with him. Luis Guillaume left the Mets game with groin tightness and will be getting an MRI. Pending results, he may need an IL stint, and according to Mike Puma of the New York Post, the Mets have not ruled out the possibility of calling up Brett Beatty if he does need time away. Beatty's an exciting prospect, so keep an eye out for that news. MJ Melendez scratched from the Royals lineup Sunday, but Mike Matheny said it was done to give another player a chance. Not the most common reason for a guy to get scratched, but good news for those of you who have Melendez on your rosters. He shouldn't be out long. In fact, he pinch hit on Sunday. Corey Knable appears to be headed back to the IL due to a lat strain. The Phillies have used him as the closer at times this year, but he hasn't had to save since July 9th and only one since June 10th. It does not look like he's going to be back in that role. Giancarlo Stanton, meanwhile, working his way back, should have a full BP session today and may start a rehab assignment this week. The Guardians will be getting James Karinchek back from the restricted list today, just in time for their doubleheader with the Tigers. And they're also calling up pitching prospect Xavion Curry. 
Curry's made only 36 starts in his minor league career, but will get his first major league start today in that doubleheader. The Guardians have really pushed him and challenged him consistently, and he's delivered. Curry, like many Cleveland guys, has great command. He's added velocity since joining the org. He doesn't really walk a ton of guys. You can expect him to pound the zone, and he looks like a solid mid-to-end-of-rotation type starter. Not a guy you need to be rushing out to get, but if you needed a streamer against Detroit, why not take a shot? A couple pitchers coming back from the IL this week. Ross Stripling will make his return Wednesday versus Baltimore. He's been strong lately and will be in some of my lineups on Wednesday. And Dustin May, who went five innings with 10 strikeouts and a walk in a rehab start Sunday, including an immaculate inning, seems to be set up to make his next start in the bigs. That should come Saturday against the Marlins, and he should be in everyone's lineup everywhere. On field action on Sunday, old man Albert Pools hit not one, but two home runs, going two for four with two runs, four RBIs in the process. He hasn't been great, maybe not even good enough to have much fantasy impact, except in deeper leagues, I suppose. But he has been very, very solid for St. Louis, and I'm kind of shocked at even that. Ahmed Rosario started things off with a first-inning home run off Kevin Gaussman and never really stopped. Three for four, three runs, two RBIs, added a walk, stole a bag, just did it all. Rosario has hit second in every start since May 20th, and in that time he's hitting 303 with a 330 on on-base percentage, nine stolen bases, eight home runs, plus 51 runs and 42 RBIs in about half a season's worth of plate appearances. That prorates something like a 300 average with 18 home runs, 16 stolen bases, 100 runs, and 80 RBIs. That's a pretty stellar line. Rosario, by the way, was not the only combo meal on Sunday. Tyro Estrada had a home run and a stolen base going two for four with a run and two RBIs in the process. He's been quietly solid this year with 11 home runs and 16 stolen bases despite missing some time. And Byron Buxton had a stolen base as well as a home run but he has not been as balanced as Estrada. He's got 28 home runs and just five stolen bases. He simply isn't running like we know he is capable of, but I imagine that's by design and likely to continue. That pro-rated line I read off for Rosario, by the way, looks an awful lot like what Nico Horner is doing. He has a 302 average with seven home runs and 12 stolen bases, though not as many runs or RBIs given the relative strengths of their teams. That's after another three-hit night for Horner, including a couple of doubles on Sunday. He's putting up a career-high ISO and a career-low K-rate, and that is carrying him to great things. Nick Castellanos, two for four with a single and a double on Sunday, and while that isn't that exciting, since July 25th, he's lowered his K-rate, raised his walk rate, and is hitting over 320 with an on-base percentage over 375. The power hasn't come back yet, but that's big progress given how cold his season was. Atlanta rookies just keep tearing it up. Michael Harris, two for four with a home run, a double, a run, and an RBI. Well, Vaughn Grissom was two for three, walked twice, and scored a run. I still don't know what Harris has to do to get out of the ninth spot in the lineup, but Grissom's hitting second, and it seems like he may stick there. Vinny Pascantino got off to a slow start, but I hope he didn't bail on him. He was three for four Sunday with a home run and a double, scoring a pair and driving in a pair. That moves him up to a 121 WRC plus in his young career. The future is bright. Christian Walker has been kind of all or nothing this year with a 218 average while pushing 30 home runs, but he was four for five on Sunday with a home run and two doubles. He had four RBIs and a run scored. I would bet on that average continuing to be better in the future, and the power is definitely legit. Brian Reynolds on the same page as Walker. He was three for four with a home run, a double, three runs, five RBIs. Raised his OPS to 800, and that's a good reminder of how great he can be. Other home runs around the game. Patrick Dong, Knowledge Wisdom, hit his 21st. Jan Gomes, his 6th. Christopher Morel got his 11th. Aristides Aquino hit his 4th. Randy Rosarena, number 15. Dan Vogelbach, also his 15th. 
Alex Bregman hit his 16th. He has been on fire lately. Nick Allen hit his second. AJ Pollock got his seventh. Andrew Vaughn is 13th. Harold Castro, number five. Tyler O'Neill up to seven. Dylan Carlson has eighth. Hunter Renfro hit his 20th. Rowdy Telez is up to 24. Lamont Wade Jr. got his seventh. And Rafael Devers hit his 25th. As for stolen bases, Tyler Freeman got his first career steal. Stephen Kwan is 12th on the season. Eddie Rosario is third. Nick Fortes stole his fifth. Joey Wendell nabbed his eighth. Miguel Rojas swiped number nine. Freddie Freeman got himself to double digits with number 10. Kyle Isbell got lucky number seven. Adam Engel now has 11 on the season. Tommy Edmonds stole his 24th. Sam Haggerty swiped his sixth. Dylan Moore number 13. Nate Lowe his second. Adelise Garcia his 17th. Garrett Hampson his seventh. Jake McCarthy swiped his ninth and 10th bases. Josh Rojas is 15th, and Miguel Andrujar got his fourth. Some very interesting pitching performances on Sunday, and we will start with Drew Rasmussen, who rarely goes deep into games, but found a way to get into the ninth on Sunday. Be perfect. He took a perfecto into the ninth before Jorge Mateo doubled to break it up. Rasmussen threw just 87 pitches, getting through eight and a third, allowing a run on a hit with seven strikeouts and no walks. He probably still won't go deep very often, but he is a very, very good pitcher. From a Ray to a former Ray, Blake Snell has been great lately, and Sunday was no exception. Six innings, zero runs, three hits, 10 strikeouts, nary a walk. He piled up 24 whiffs. Yeah, it was the Nats, but who cares? This was great, and I am in on Snell. Chris Bassett now hasn't given up an earned run since July 29th. He hasn't given up a home run since July 23rd. After going five innings with four hits, two walks, and five strikeouts on Sunday, this pulled his home run per fly ball rate down to 12.2%, which is still well above his last couple seasons. He has been better than I expected this year, I have to admit, but I still don't think he's an ace-tier guy like he looked like the last couple years in Oakland. It looked like it might be a long day for a couple of aces in Toronto as both Kevin Gaussman and Shane Bieber gave up first inning runs, but one of those two settled in. Gaussman couldn't slow down the guards. He lasted just four and two-thirds, giving up five runs on nine hits, walking one and striking out five. He is still an ace. He got bapipped a bit in this one, though eight hard-hit balls was part of it. Bieber actually gave up more hard contact, but lasted seven innings, giving up just two runs on eight hits, no walks, and six strikeouts. More importantly, he sat 93 on his heat on Sunday. That is well up from where he was earlier in the year, and if that velocity sticks, Bieber is going to continue to shut down lineups, even ones as good as Toronto. It was a long day for an ace in New York, as the Phillies' Zach Wheeler got knocked around by the Mets. He gave up six runs on nine hits and a walk, striking out five. I think this was just a start where he had a little bit of rough command. It was against some good offense. I'll have him back in my lineups next time out. Bryce Elder had a nice start against the Marlins, going seven, striking out ten, walking three, allowing a run on three hits. But he's already been optioned back to AAA by Atlanta and probably needs multiple injuries or something to get a real shot. So nothing really to see here for now. Braxton Garrett, meanwhile, got a quality start against Atlanta, but only struck out two and walked three over six. He shut him out on five hits. This was a tough matchup for him, and he gets the Dodgers next, so it's not getting any easier. But as the schedule does ease up, he should be on your radar. How about Brady Singer, speaking of those Dodgers? He only gave up one hit to the Dodgers, shutting them out over six innings with seven strikeouts and three walks. He had 19 whiffs and a 34% CSW. He should for sure be in your plans for his start against the Rays that comes up next. Christian Javier went six shutout innings, allowing one hit as well. He also had three walks. He struck out six, but instead of the Dodgers, he was facing the A's, and that's just kind of what you expect him to do against the A's. Lance Lynn has not had a great year, but the Tigers will cure what ails you. Six innings, two runs and five hits, seven strikeouts and no walks. 
He gets Cleveland next, and I still don't really trust him a ton, so I probably will stay away for that. Aaron Ashby was good enough. Just seven whiffs, but a 35% CSW, giving up two runs on three hits and two walks with five strikeouts over six innings pitched. You can see what's coming from him, and he just isn't quite there yet. Opposite him, Miles Michaelis lasted eight innings, giving up two runs and four hits without a walk, going down to one of the less impressive performances on Sunday. If you need a pitcher to cut like I do in some places, I think it's officially time to move on from Keegan Thompson. There have been warning signs on him all year, and his recent performances have certainly tanked his trade value. Sunday, he lasted just an inning and two-thirds against Cincinnati, giving up four runs and two hits, three walks, and two strikeouts. That is a not-good line against a not-very-good offense. Looking at the bullpens, the end of the Guardians bullpen did its thing Sunday as Trevor Steffen got two strikeouts and a hold, and Emmanuel Classe finished things off with a 1-2-3-9th with a K, but no save for him as the guards had extended the lead to five before he came on. Hunter Strickland took the eighth on Sunday, or at least tried to. He walked two and gave up a hit, getting just one out. Alexis Diaz took over and struck out four on his way to a four-out save, his fifth on the season. This job should be his. Jason Adam came on after Drew Rasmussen couldn't quite finish off the Orioles and got his sixth save, facing two hitters, striking them both out on eight total pitches. Kenley Jansen got his 27th save, allowing a hit and striking out one. He got that chance after Tanner Scott blew his fifth save, giving up three runs on three hits and three walks without a K. Yuck. Scott Barlow got a four-out save with three coming via the strikeout. Not bad against the Dodgers. Ryan Presley got his 23rd after Rafael Montero gave up a couple in the ninth and created a save situation for him. Liam Hendricks had gone two straight, and you can turn to basically anyone to shut down the Tigers. So Kendall Graveman took the ninth and got his sixth save, though he did give up a run on two hits in the process. Taylor Rogers took the loss for the Brewers, giving up four runs on three hits and a walk, including two home runs, just his second and third home runs in the season. But man, he seems broken. He isn't getting saves. And so from a fantasy perspective, what do you want with him? Jose LeClerc got his first save of the year for the Rangers, and sure, why not give Jose LeClerc a save? We'll see if he continues to get those opportunities. Ian Kennedy does appear to be the man getting the opportunities in Arizona, at least until Mark Melanson reclaims the job. Kennedy got his eighth on Sunday, and the Angels got a save on Sunday, and it went to Jose Quijada. That's his third on the year. With that, let's take a look at the weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much. We got a relatively full schedule for Monday, but we will continue to see dry weather in place across most of the country, so we can play baseball, and if you're starting playoffs for season long, probably not yet, but getting close there or just playing DFS, feel free to play whoever you'd want. Have a good one, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. If you're looking for people to stream, I already mentioned Xavier Curry getting a start against the Tigers. Aaron Savali starts the other game in that doubleheader, and he's also a good option. James Caprellian, another option that could be a good fit, given he's facing the Rangers. For hitters, I would get your fills out there. They are at Cincinnati and facing Mike Miner. I'm going to put out a prediction now that Nick Castellanos is going to get one of those home runs that he hasn't been hitting this year. As for what to watch... Sandy Alcantara and Joe Musgrove. I mean, yeah, that'll do. With that, take some time to go read the SP Roundup. There's an interesting note on Martin Perez that I would recommend you check out. You can also read the batter's box and reliever ranks, get a lot more detail than I was able to go into here. With that, I'll turn you over to the rest of the team for the week, and I'll be back with you on Friday. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.